Let's go. Quit crying. Let's go. Let's go. Baby, you should have listened to me the first time. All right. How old are you? How old are you? Eight. Why don't you act like you're eight years old? Let's go. All right. She said, you know, to this day when I move my hand fast by my son, I've hit him in the head so many times that he ducks still. Maybe you should try hitting Brady in the head. I think given the response that our district had to it, you know, we don't really know for sure if there were other um, victims or not. We don't know if other children on that bus saw something that they shouldn't have seen. Every year when August hits, parents and their children start the frantic, seemingly never-ending task of preparing for the next school year. Parents spend hours meticulously checking items off school supplies lists, buying new clothes, and preparing for orientation. But as parents prep their kids for another year of school, some experience darker, more troubling thoughts. What if she doesn't make any new what friends? What if those boys start picking What if someone hurts her? What if they don't tell me when something happens? I'm Katie Marshall, and this is episode two of Exposed, the dark side of Texas schools. The administrators are always going to protect the machine. If you're going to place the responsibility of self-policing, self-regulating on the part of the school district, they can whitewash what's going on. And to think that it could happen in our own district, scary. The job of the administration is to protect the machine of the district. After talking to Dean Ross about Belton ISD ignoring his family's concerns over a coach's potentially inappropriate behavior, I wanted to find out if more school districts were hiding important information from parents. But first, I wanted to find out how parents at Prosper ISD reacted when they discovered the allegations that school bus driver Frank Paniagua sexually assaulted two elementary school sisters more than 100 times over the course of an entire school year. Although police arrested Paniagua in May, Some parents claimed they didn't know about the incident until August, when the girls' parents filed a lawsuit against the district. So I sat down with Janelle Davis, a Prosper mom and education law attorney, and asked her how she found out about the bus driver assaults. You know, like everybody else from the news, um, (laughs) um, there were some rumors about it for a while on social media. I don't even remember, you know, kind of first where I saw those rumors, but there were rumors throughout the summer on social media. In fact, I, I don't know if you've seen the lawsuit itself, but there are screenshots from Facebook groups talking about it. And so, you know, there were rumors out there, but there's, you know, you you don't necessarily want to um, put full credibility in that. So that's really all they were until August when the lawsuit was filed and, you know, I started getting texts with the link to it and seeing it posted and things like that. So, yeah, I found out about it in August, like like everyone else did. Davis criticized the district for not alerting parents about the assaults sooner. It's heartbreaking. You know, those are two little children's lives that will never be the same and potentially others, you know. I think given the, the response that our district had to it, you know, we don't really know for sure if there were other 
victims or not. We don't know if other children on that bus saw something that they shouldn't have seen, you know, and were afraid to talk about. So it's, um, it's devastating to think about how that situation changed the course of two small children's lives forever and their families. And to think that it could happen in our own district is scary. It's not something that you want to ever think would happen that close to home. When news of the lawsuit broke, parents packed the August 29, 2022 school board meeting to see how their district would respond. After spending an hour and a half in a closed session with attorneys, school board president Drew Wilborn read a prepared statement. We understand and share the community's outrage over the allegations that our former Prosper ISD employees sexually abused students. It is our understanding that Prosper ISD administrators took swift action upon receiving a complaint about this former employee and that these actions included communications with law enforcement officials, CPS, and parents in the district. Although we have confidence that Dr. Holly Ferguson and her team have handled this incident professionally and ethically, the board has retained an independent firm to investigate this matter. However, some parents disputed the board's claim that they, quote, took swift action to communicate with parents in the district. Lindsay Rios, whose son rode Paniagua's bus, said the district never informed her of the assaults. Good afternoon. My children attend the dual language program at Rucker, and my son rode the bus to and from school in Mr. Frank's route during the 2000 to 2021 year. Why was I never contacted that my child could have potentially come in contact with a child molester? Why was I never told any of these things? Don't you feel like you have a personal responsibility to us as parents to know that our children may have come in contact with someone who could potentially hurt them? Is your reputation more important than our children? You guys are elected officials and you fell into the role because of our previous superintendent. Do you feel like you are doing your job? Do you feel like you did your personal responsibility to us as parents? I'd like to know. Another mom, Lisa Cox, whose daughter was a kindergartner at Prosper ISD, described the fear parents experience when faced with the thought that their child may become a victim of sexual assault. The night I was up reading this article, I just kept thinking, like, how do I prepare a five-year-old for this conversation? So the next morning I sat her on the couch and I said, okay, Charlotte, we need to talk about something real important. I'm gonna pretend I'm putting you on a school bus and if someone tries to buckle your seatbelt and they touch you inappropriately, what do you do? And she said, mama, I say, stop. I say, don't, don't touch me like that. I said, that's right. I said, okay, Charlotte, what if they say, I'm gonna give you this piece of candy and it's okay. And she said, oh, okay. Do you know how terrifying that is to a mother? Several parents at the board meeting including Cindy Jongling, even called for Superintendent Holly Ferguson to resign or be fired based on claims that she encouraged the family of the two girls to keep quiet. They also pointed out that Ferguson's new contract, which was finalized in July, right before the scandal broke, gave her a 19% salary increase, raising her pay to $310,000 per year, plus benefits. We all know that even... With well-planned policies and protocols, mistakes happen, bad things happen. It's how we handle these situations that reveal our true character. 
Prosperize, the leadership chose to keep the assault of two innocent girls quiet after the perpetrator's arrest and failed to notify the parents of other children that rode with this perpetrator, all in the effort to keep Prosper ISD's image untarnished. You have shown us your character, and it is lacking. Prosper ISD leadership needs a full overhaul, top to bottom, starting with the superintendent and legal, lead legal counsel. Everyone that worked to keep this quiet should be fired. Although the guarantee of an independent investigation sounded promising, some parents pointed out that the school board's version of events didn't add up. To find out what made parents doubt the district statement, I sat down with senior journalist Aaron Anderson, who covered the Prosper story from the beginning. By the time Prosper ISD school trustees started talking about an independent investigation, Parents had already openly said at school board meetings that the district had broken their trust by hiding and covering up the bus driver sex abuse scandal in the first place. So when the same officials uh, claimed that they were going to conduct you know, a transparent investigation, parents were very skeptical about that. After talking to Aaron, I wanted to find out what Texas law requires school districts to do when a student or their family makes a complaint. To start, I talked with Eileen Blachowski, who works with Texas Education 911, an organization calling for the Texas legislature to put families and children first when it comes to education. Eileen told me about the misconduct reporting portal on the Texas Education Agency website and said that superintendents are required to report misconduct under the Texas Education Code. There is a requirement for superintendents to report any sexual violence, um, sexual crime violence, sexual communication, um, or drug or alcohol uh, violations of an adult employee of a school, whether they are a certified teacher or not, um, involving a student. So that's a requirement. And the law actually says that a failure to report under this statute is a state jail felony. And we are very clear that we are not seeing superintendents go to jail, even though we have clear evidence that there are districts that have not reported anything. So reports like, so for example, Prosper ISD has never used the misconduct reporting portal. But we know that Frank Paniagua was arrested and went to jail for molesting two children on the bus. She said that Texas Ed 911 places some of the blame with the TEA. If the law is the law and it means anything, the TEA is not holding those superintendents accountable to the statute, to the letter of the law. Texas Ed 911 also runs an initiative called Champion a Child that calls on Texas legislators to step up and protect children in public schools. The organization tells the stories of 32 children who faced bullying, abuse, or neglect at a Texas public school and never got justice. Each story is addressed to a lawmaker, with Texas Ed 911 asking them, will you champion this child? There are so many of these stories. The very first one, if, if you see the website, there was directed to Senator Brian Hughes, 
and it was about a child in Henderson ISD. And this poor child with a an aide, a special ed aide in the room who happened to be related to um, an administrator, a school administrator, was in the room but not paying attention when a child was choked to the point of passing out. Um, that should never happen. This aide got a promotion. The child and the family have never gotten any justice on the issue. It's terrible. Many of these families just, you know what, they're in fear. They're in fear. They don't want to be retaliated against. Many of them have been retaliated against. Some people have had to move out of their school districts. Some people have lost their jobs. Some people's families are a wreck. We don't believe all schools are bad. We don't believe all teachers are bad, but we do believe that there are issues like this that still need to be addressed. And we want legislators to pay attention to what parents really need and to really protect these kids. Because while not every family is having a negative experience in school and we recognize that, there are many great things happening in many public schools across Texas, Um, but our tax dollars are funding these schools and we should be able to hold this accountable when children are harmed within our schools. Reading through Texas Ed 911's 32 stories from families the public school system failed made it clear to me that even if a family reports misconduct, there's no guarantee the district will follow through or take their concerns seriously. In the midst of my investigation, I was introduced to Marina Salcedo. Marina told me about an experience her son had at Joshua ISD, just south of Fort Worth. My son has autism. He's on the spectrum. He was eight back then. The teacher called and she said that uh, he was upset that the lights were turned on. He wanted what the majority did not want. I think it was the lights off for a movie or something that everyone wanted him off and he wanted it on. So he just didn't want to stay in his seat, I guess. I think he went under the desk. 20 minutes later, the teacher messaged Marina and said that the school's resource officer took her son from his classroom and put him in success, a room where students are sent to regulate their emotions. Which I think that was already very wrong because what I see on the news is, you know, policemen being rough with kids with autism and stuff. So, of course, you know, my head went. (laughs) I was worried, so I went. I drove straight over there. At the school, Marina attended a meeting with her son's principal, vice principal, the resource officer, his main teacher, and the teacher who requested the resource officer, who normally works at the district's high school. And according to Marina, their stories didn't line up. So um, what they said that day was that he had a meltdown. He didn't want to come up from under his desk. That's all. He wasn't being a harm to himself. He wasn't being a harm to others. The teacher said that he, the other kids started feeling unsafe because he was under the desk. Three weeks after the incident, Marina received statements from every adult involved and the resource officer's chess cam video, which Marina said told a very different story. First of all, he was not under the desk. I don't know why everyone's story was was just different than the chest cam. 
Um, so first I received a letter and then the chest cam, the statement from the officer. And he said um, that he raised his hand and said, please don't shoot me. So he was scared and he listened to the officer right away. And when I received the chest cam, oh my goodness, that was that was it. I mean, he, he the police officer, um, any adult without autism would be intimidated by the way the officer spoke to him. Um, you know, he was mean. He said, how old are you? Act your age. And he was screaming and he wanted to get all the kids out of the room. So, of course, my son was so frightened. He walked straight to success. The whole time in the hallway, um, he looked to the side like he just thought, you know, the officer was going to hurt him or something. The following clip is audio taken directly from the resource officer's chess cam video. I thought that we made him match. I'm trying to get this one out because he's hollering and yelling Which in class. One? That one. Let's go. Come on. Okay. We're not going to play this game. Do you understand? We're not going to play it. Can I get everybody out of the room? Yes, sir. Wait. I'll go. I'll go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Crying. Quit crying. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, Maybe you should have listened to me the first time. Let's go. All right. How old are you? How old are you? Eight. Why don't you act like you're eight years old? Let's go. All right. When Marina expressed concerns to her son's principal, the principal claimed that no one did anything wrong and that everything was handled correctly and by the book. However, the incident left Marina's son terrified his reaction led her to keep him home from school for several days. She and her husband later removed the boy from Joshua ISD. They are now homeschooling him. My plan was not to take him home, but I wanted to see him. I said, let me see him. Uh, they did not give me this camera footage, but this had been an hour later. And he just like buried his head in my chest and said, please, please take me out of here. I'm so Please, please take me out of here. I never want to go. And, you know, he, he was still frightened and just terrified. Marina said that if the district hadn't removed her son's classroom support, the incident would never have happened. This is mainly that they took away, they actually took away his, um, um, his autism help. They took away the speech, the occupational therapy, And so my advocates are saying, you know, if you wouldn't have taken away the help, this would not have happened. I've asked for the help. And they said, no, we're not going to do it right now. According to Marina, the school failed to provide transparency or take accountability for their mistake. I think if they put themselves in my place and it's their child, they would have never done it. But, um... No, it, it's completely wrong. They, they've lied a lot about what, what really happened. You know, nothing was ever done wrong by the staff. So definitely not transparent at all, just covering up for each other. Not all leadership at Prosper ISD went along with the school's alleged cover-up tactics. The following statements are from a Prosper ISD trustee and members of the Prosper ISD community, 
made online to share their concern and outrage about how the investigation was being handled and who was handling it. Hello, Prosper ISD. It's been an emotional two weeks since the Dallas Morning News broke a story about allegations of child abuse and an alleged cover-up within Prosper ISD. I understand that as your board of trustees, the only currency we have with the community is trust. And once that is lost, it is very difficult to regain. As it stands, the independent investigation is currently assigned to the same firm handling the lawsuit for Prosper ISD. As I stated last week, I have concerns about these types of investigations in general, and I do not feel that the same firm handling the lawsuit can objectively handle an independent investigation for the Board of Trustees. Prosper ISD Trustee Garrett Winker. That is a blatant conflict of interest, to have the law firm that is defending the ISD as the firm that does the investigation. They were hired first to defend the ISD. Their job, first and foremost, is to not let anything come out that taints their case. The investigation isn't independent, and technically not third-party if the law firm is on retainer with PISD. There's simply zero value in an in-house investigation. This type of decision-making is the cause of the continued erosion of trust the community has for PISD. I hope the other board members are watching and listening. The public wants transparency. The public demands it. If you are on the board and think you don't need to be transparent, there is an army of moms like me that are ready to help someone who is, and we will fill your seat. Our kids come first. Two weeks after parents at Prosper ISD discovered that the firm in charge of the so-called independent investigation was also conducting the district's defense, Prosper ISD claimed that they were not responsible for the sexual assault of the two young girls. Case 3847, Defendant Prosper Independent School District's answer to plaintiff's original petition and affirmative defenses. Defendant Prosper ISD asserts and affirmatively pleads the defense of governmental immunity. Defendant Prosper ISD prays that plaintiffs have and recover nothing Next time on Exposed, we'll uncover a second scandal at Prosper ISD and hear a shocking story from Round Rock. I mean, when I hit the wall, I didn't, I didn't really know what to think. Like, my mind just kind of went blank. The Exposed podcast is a production of Texas Scorecard. Texas Scorecard is the leading news source for government and culture. Go to texasscorecard.com today. This episode was written and hosted by Katie Marshall with audio engineering by Drew Cook and edited and produced by Walker York.